We're in the book of 2 Thessalonians. Uh, we'll be starting today at chapter 3, the final chapter. Uh, we worked our way through 1 Thessalonians, now we're in 2 Thessalonians. And uh, we're just, we're really trying to learn as a church from these letters that Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica. So if you have your Bibles with you, I want to invite you to open up to, to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. If you don't have your Bible with you, no big deal. We'll have the words up here on the screen. Or if you just don't have a copy of God's Word, we have a grab a Bible table in the back that has uh, some Bibles on there. And you're welcome you're welcome to grab one of those uh, and make it your own, make it uh, a gift from us to you. We feel that it's really important for everybody to have God's word and a copy uh, of God's word so that they can take notes, that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, we're excited to be here this morning, that's for sure. Today we're going to be looking uh, at, at chapter 3, verses 1 to 5, so it's just a short section, uh, but a lot is, is kind of packed into this. We're going to see some themes that Paul has already touched on uh, throughout both the, the letters, First and Second Thessalonians, um, and, and we're going to spend some time there, and, and we're going to see, or we're going to be encouraged, we're going to move forward with the idea that our salvation is secure. Paul wanted to make sure that this church understood the security they have in their salvation. And last week, uh, we talked about God choosing that church and the idea that what God chooses, he cannot lose. What God grabs and takes a hold of, he is not going to lose. And so the idea of a secure salvation isn't new in these letters, but hopefully it's one that we can hear even a few weeks in a row or a few weeks out of the last eight or ten and be encouraged and grow in that area. I think it was last week, and in sec- if you're taking notes, 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 13 and 14, where Paul really camps in on the idea that God chose you. He chose you, and he's going he's gonna to care for you. Uh, and he wanted the church to understand this uh, because of the truth that their faith or our faith should be growing, guarded, and grounded. That's what we're going to see today. So we're going we're gonna to look at a couple of verses about our faith should be a growing faith. And what does that look like? Uh, our, our faith is guarded uh, by God who chose us, and then it should be grounded. And we'll, we'll see that in this passage this morning. So we're going to dive right in here. Uh, again, like I said, we're going to read through all five verses, and then we're going to go back because it breaks down a little bit weird. And, and I'll show you that in just a minute. But we're going to start by reading chapter 3, verses 1 to 5. Finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you, and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men. For not all have faith, but the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord about you, that you are doing and will do the things that we command. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. Father God, as we look into your word today, we pray that you uh, will teach us the truths of your word. Help it not to be lost in the way that I communicate or, or be lost on the receiving ends because of the confusing or uh, chaotic week maybe that some of our friends here are coming out of. But Holy Spirit, I pray that you'll calm our spirits. Give me clear words to speak forth the truths and help us to be changed, to become a little bit more like Jesus Christ because of what we learned today. 
And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen. So we're going to look here uh, at 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 1, and then we're going to jump ahead to verse 4. I said it's kind of a little bit of a confusing breakdown. So on this slide here, I popped out verses 2 and 3, and I, I dropped in verse 4 because I think these verses go together. Again, Paul's writing a letter. Uh, he's writing things that he feels Holy Spirit lay on his heart, and sometimes he goes to a place, and he goes someplace else, and then he comes right back. And so for the, for the way that this laid out, it just made the more, more sense. We see Paul here again referencing the importance of prayer. If you read through First and Second Thessalonians, you will see that God, that God really laid on Paul's heart to push forward the idea that prayer is important. For anyone who's placed their faith in Jesus Christ, who, who calls upon his name to be saved, who loves God, needs to be communicating with God. And there's a lot of importance that we see there. Anyone uh, who has done that should want to pray, should desire to pray, and should not be afraid to pray. It's an integral part of their faith. And th- this has been a common theme in, in both these letters. And I'm afraid that sometimes when things are common, when you see them all the time, we stop noticing them. We overlook them. We, don't re- we hear it, but we don't process it. Paul wants his readers to hear and to understand prayer's place in their lives. In your lives as a believer, what is the place of prayer? The place of prayer in salvation, the place of prayer in a relationship with God. And so Paul wants his readers to understand that, and I believe here, in the 21st century, as the Grace Works Church, as we're studying through First and Second Thessalonians, that Paul wants us to understand also the place of prayer in our lives. Also, that this security in our faith that he talked about there, it's important. It allows, because of that security, that understanding of our relationship with God, that God is the one who's going to keep us, it then allows us to grow in our faith. Because of that truth. Uh, it allows us to have a guarded faith that gives us encouragement and assurance. If we know that God is on our side and God is going to keep us. And a grounding that helps us through the, the toughest times. We can be grounded on the truths of our salvation, of our faith. We can know these things. So he asks his brothers to pray for Again, we see that right there in verse 1. Pray for us or pray for them. Paul and and Sylvanius and Timothy are no longer in Thessalonica. They're off doing mission work other places after they had been run out of town. And, And so he says, pray for us. He knows that the church can grow. One way that they can grow in their faith is by learning to pray. And he understands the importance of communication with God. And that's not just for the pastors, that's not just for the leaders, that's not just for the spiritual people, it's for all believers. If you have come to faith in Jesus Christ, if you have believed in him for salvation, you are invited to communicate with the almighty God who created this world because he loves you, each one of you, daughters and sons of the most high king. 
And he wants you to know that. So we see here that, that prayer in your life is important, and, and it's part of a growing faith. And we see that here in verse 1 and in verse 4. Prayer is important if your faith is going to grow. First Thessalonians, so we jump back to his first letter, 1.8. Paul talks to them about advancing the gospel in Macedonia and, and Achaia. Paul is praising the church in Thessalonica for the work that they are doing. And here we see Paul now asking for their prayer so that he can move forward the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul asks his brothers and his sisters in Christ to pray for them in that advancement of the word of the Lord, which is the gospel message, the good news of Jesus Christ. Since Paul met Jesus on the road to Damascus, that story is found in Acts, if you want to look that up and read that, the gospel message has been Paul's passion. And he wants his passion to spread to these churches as well. He wants them to be as passionate about the gospel as he is. So he says, pray for the gospel to be proclaimed our lives, our conversations should be gospel-centered. That is a truth for us today, church. Our lives should point people towards Jesus Christ. I, I love the book Gospel Fluency. I know a few of you have read that because I've interacted with you on that. Uh, the first part of the book is about what the gospel is. The, the first part of the book, it's, it's a great read. It really just breaks things down, makes it simple to understand. But the second part of the book is all about how our, our lives, right, should be the gospel, okay? So, so Jeff is, is challenging us as believers in the 21st cent, uh, century to live our lives in a gospel way. That he's calling us out from going to church on Sunday and then just going to work all week long. And not letting anyone know, not necessarily lying about it, but just, just go and coast and then on Sunday showing up to church. He, he's challenging us in that. And there's a portion in the book where he's talking about how our lives and actions reflect what we truly believe about the gospel and about God. He says something that I, I really love. He says, our behaviors are the tangible expression of our beliefs. Our behaviors, the way that we interact with people, the way that we do things are the tangible expression of our beliefs. Sometimes as Christians, we, we, we get to that place where we make the decision, we place our faith in Jesus Christ, and then we say, so what? What do we do now? Or nobody brings us along. Nobody says, I'm going to walk along with you, and I'm going to show you the way that you should be living your life because of this new belief, because of this faith. And I, rem I remember reading and, and being struck by this truth. The way that I go about my life, the way that I act in my neighborhood, at my job, with my kids or with my spouse, or live my life in general, says so much about what I believe, what I believe in my heart, or at least it should do I believe that the gospel message is true? 
If you think about that question today and, and, and you are a Christian, you've placed your faith in, in Jesus Christ, you believe that you were once destined for an eternity separated from God, okay? And by, by trusting in the cross, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, you are now heading towards an eternity with God. To me, um, again, this sounds like complete opposite directions, Right? Death, separation from God, what the the Bible describes and what we call hell, or heaven and eternity with God. If I believe that the gospel message, that Jesus Christ loved me enough to come to this earth and to die for me, and that by placing my faith in him, I go from death and hell and an an eternity separated from God to life, life more abundant even here on this earth, And the hope, the confidence, not just the hope, uh, but the confidence we have in heaven, why would I not want to share that? How can I not allow that truth to affect who I am? Do I believe the gospel is everything? Do I do my part in advancing the kingdom? And if, if I'm honest with myself and I truly believe this, I had to say this week, my life in some areas, should look a little bit different. And I wanted to justify, well, it looks better than it did five years ago, or it looks better than it did 20 years ago, or I I am talking about God. But no, if I really challenge myself and allow myself to think about that, the truth of your salvation, it should motivate us to live our lives differently. If I knew that this was the last conversation I was having with my coworker, with my family member, with my friend before they were to die and pass from this earth and they don't know Jesus Christ as their savior, would this conversation look a little bit differently? These are just truths I'm seeing here in God's word. So today, church, I'm challenging you, but I'm also challenging myself. Paul prays not only for the advancement of the word, right, that the, that the word may speed ahead, he says, I love that, but also that it would be received by those who hear it, and what he says is, and be honored. In other words, you, you hear it, and you, you, when you honor something, you're receiving it, you're accepting them. Uh, maybe somebody comes in from out of town, and you, you bring them into your home, and you give them a good meal and a, a place to sleep. You're honoring them, and, 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 and God is preparing the hearts of those who will hear the good news of Jesus Christ. If you've come here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, welcome. We want you to be here. But I pray that God has been preparing your heart even this week to hear the good news. The Holy Spirit is doing the work. I'm not here to convince you of something. I'm here to bring you the truth, the good news of Jesus Christ. And if the Holy Spirit calls you and draws you unto himself, that's the way salvation works. So God is preparing the hearts. Paul asked for God or that God would work on the recipients, right? Get them ready to hear and receive the good news. He even goes into detail as how he prays it will be received. I love this. As they, the church in Thessalonica, received it from Paul. You see what he says there? As happened among you. I brought you the good news. You honored it. You heard it. You received it. You believed it and you were changed 
by it. They were a receptive people. And we must pray that God will prepare the hearts so that people will respond to the good news. If, if you have family members who are not Christians and you're maybe the only Christians in the family, it's tough to think about getting together at Christmas or Thanksgiving or a family reunion and you want to share the good news of Jesus Christ, but you're like, man, I only got a couple of hours with them and they already think I'm a religious you know, nut or whatever it might be. Instead of worrying about that, for weeks and sometimes months before you get together, we should be praying that God would be preparing their hearts. Amen? Yeah. God would be preparing their hearts. Paul is writing all of this with the knowledge that the gospel is moving forward, even though he's been gone, they've been gone for weeks or, or, or months. But what's implied here is that they're growing in their personal faith as it has happened to you. In verse 4, we see Paul express the growth that he's seen in the church, a, a, a confidence that the growth has begun and will continue by the power of the Lord. He sees a church that will take the message and let it affect them and change who they are. So today, Will we be that kind of church? One that hears the word from the Lord and allows it to change who we are. Let's, let's grow as a church. Let's be a people that pray for growth in each other. So that's what Paul's asking for here. He's, he's saying, uh, I, I want a growing faith and I'm going to ask you to pray. I'm going to ask you again to pray. I'm going I'm to tell you that I'm praying for you, and I'm going to thank you for praying for me. I mean, Paul is just going over the top in these two letters talking about prayer. Let's be a people that pray for growth in each other. Not only do we want to have a faith that is growing, but also one that feels secure or guarded. And in verse 2 and 3, we see Paul focusing in on the Lord's faithfulness, his ability to guard us or establish us, hold on to us. We are secure. So we see this guarded faith here in verse 2 and 3. We need to depend on God and trust fully in his protection. Paul asks here for prayer right, for deliverance from wicked and evil men. Paul values prayer. We've said this over and over and over. But do we ask for enough prayer from our mentees, those we've invested into, our mentors, those who have invested into us, our brothers and sisters in Christ? Paul, here, the evangelist, right? The missionary, the one who's planting churches right and left and finding success and seeing the Holy Spirit work is saying, will you pray for me? Will you pray for me? Deliverance from wicked and evil men? And, and this church is like, whoa, whoa, we've only, we've only known God about God and accepted this gospel, this message of Jesus Christ for a few months. And, and here you are. Right? This chief missionary asking us for prayer. Paul reminds us that we are in this together. We, we, we're in this together. Paul's exalting his spiritual children. He's giving them value. He's saying, I value your prayers. Will you pray for us? Have you ever been asked by, by someone to pray for them? Maybe even someone that you look at as a spiritual leader, a, a spiritual mother or father or mentor? 
And if you have, you know what this church was feeling. Like, no, 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 I should be asking you for prayer. You've got it all together. Will you pray for me? And instead, Paul's coming to them and saying, I need your prayer. I need you to pray for us. Because there are wicked and evil men out there. You're not alone in the, the struggles of this world. Paul here is writing to the church of Thessalonica and saying, hey, I, there's trouble ahead. Will you pray for me? Find comfort in that, that even the apostle Paul needed to ask for prayer. Paul's request shows us, even today reading this, a great example of humility. Pastor, professor, theologian, church attender, Rich, poor, healthy, sick, keep the list going on and on and on of descriptors. We're all in this together. Prayer grants us direct access to God no matter what the situation. Paul knew that God could guard his faith. God could protect him from those who would want to come against him. So we, we, we see this idea of a growing faith, a growing church. Pray for me. Pray that the gospel message will go forward. But he also says, I, wanna, I want you to know that you can have a guarded faith. That God is there. He will take care of you. I'm praying that you will pray for me in this time where I'm interacting with wicked and evil men. I'm asking for that prayer. And he had confidence that his faith could be guarded by God. And finally, we need not only that growing faith and that guarded faith, but we need a, a grounded faith. And here we're going to be looking at chapter uh, 3, verse 5, and then I'm going to jump back to last week. So if you were with us last week, we're going to touch really quick on chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. Our salvation in Jesus Christ is secure. This we know. And since we have a secure salvation... It also needs to be a, a grounded faith, right? So what, what does Paul mean by that? We look back uh, in, in, in chapter 2 at verses 16 and 17. Paul tells his friends, Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. Paul knew the importance of the church focusing in on Jesus. The gospel message, the good news, is Jesus Christ coming to this earth to provide a way to right our rebellious, sinful relationship that we have with the creator God. Okay, that's the good news. That's the gospel. Jesus Christ coming, living a perfect life, fully man, fully God, dying on the cross, and then being resurrected on that third day, breaking the power that sin and death have on our lives. So that if we place our faith in him, if we confess Jesus Christ as Lord, we can spend eternity with God. That is the good news. That is what Paul wants us to focus in on. And, and so if we want a faith that is guarded, that will keep us steady in the rough times, right? Instead of being tossed around on, on the sea to and fro, he, he says our anchor, our focus should be on Jesus. I don't know about you guys, I'm, I'm not huge on being in little boats on big water, 
okay? I, I have a little bit of trouble with that. As a kid, I didn't, but it seems like the older I get, uh, I, I get a little more seasick, let's just say. So I haven't had a ton of experience going out uh, into the deep water on small boats, and I'm okay with that. Uh, this week as I was reading, uh, I, I read, looking into the distance has long been touted as a way to stay upright and free of seasickness. Okay, this, even though I read this and I believe this, I, I, I still wasn't hopping in a boat this week, so we can be praying about that. But look, looking free of seasickness, despite the pitch and the roll of the boat, unlike some old wives' tales, horizon gazing is good advice. According to a study published in the Journal of, of Psychological Science, staring at the horizon really does make people steadier while at sea. Now, I believe that. I don't know that I'm ready to rush out to, you know, ocean shores and hop on a little boat and go out fishing quite yet without my Dramamine. But you, you, you have that idea that if you can focus in on the horizon, your body will be less affected by the tossing of the waves. All this to say, Paul is saying focus in on Jesus. And no matter what's going on around you, no matter what the storms of this world will bring, you can focus in on Jesus Christ. And he, like the horizon, the better horizon, right, is, is perfectly still and unchanging. And you can focus in on that. And, and the things that are going on around you seem a little bit less crazy, when that's the only stable thing in your life to look at, look to Jesus. In the midst of all the waves and the wind and the choppiness, you look to the horizon. You look to Jesus Christ. I truly believe that that is the same uh, for our faith. We know that life happens. Life is uncertain. And we can be certain about that. So in the midst of that uncertainty of life, we need something secure, something that is grounded. And that's where I got that third G from this week, grounded in Jesus Christ. Look to the distance. Look to the horizon. Jesus Christ unchanging. And that's what Paul is telling this church. God gives us eternal comfort. He establishes them in the truth. And that's his prayer for them because he knows that life is uncertain. Paul goes out, he's bringing the good news. There's wicked and evil men. That's wind, that's waves, right? And for each one of us, if we look at our lives, there's wind and there's waves, whether it's persecution from family or, or coworkers or, or friends because of our faith, whether it's the health issues that we are suffering, whether it's the hurt that has happened to us from someone that we should have been able to trust, we have wind, we have waves, and yet we can look to the horizon and we can see Jesus Christ. So this prayer for him, them is that they would be encouraged, that they would be comforted. He continues in that prayer in, in verse 5 saying, may the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and the steadfastness of Christ. Jesus Christ, the one that you placed your faith in, whether it was this last week or 25 years ago, he is unchanging. His love for you today is the same as the day you first placed your faith in him. So essentially, Paul is praying for two things. One is 
that their spiritual productivity would be ongoing. Paul's saying, I want you to continue on. I don't want you to see what's going on around you and stop. He's praying that the, the trials, the burdens would, would not necessarily even be removed from their lives, but that God would encourage them and would solidify in their hearts their security and their faith. That's going to be my prayer for you. Now, I may pray that the, 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 the illness goes away or the hurt goes away or the, the situation is resolved because I believe that God will and does do those things sometimes when he chooses. But sometimes he allows that to remain so that our faith can grow. And I know that's hard to hear, but that's the truth. Paul wants to encourage them in Jesus Christ. Secondly, he's praying for their ongoing spiritual growth. Uh, This would be evident by by enduring hardships and and growing in love for others and for God. Essentially, Paul's desire is that the church would be on fire, on fire in their personal relationship with God, not allowing the, the uncertainty of life to shake their faith. Not only on on fire with God, but that that through them, and this is important, that through them, through their testimony, the gospel would be pushed further to those around them. Pray for those whose hearts need to be prepared and be faithful to say the words, and God will do his part. Paul wants them to know that their, their, their faith is secure. And that a secure faith, one that is grounded, is contagious. Share that with those you interact with. That that others would see their certainty in in an uncertain time. and, And that God would use that to open their eyes to the gospel. Use the situations that you're going through. That you can now relate to somebody else. Use those to open their eyes to your faith and a relationship with God. This is ultimately our prayer as pastors for not only ourselves, but for for you, for the church, that we would all be people of deep faith and, and conviction, that we would rest on this secure faith that we are given by God. That's our prayer. And that we would all grow to that place. That we would allow the trials uh, that come into our lives to strengthen us, to deepen our relationship and our faith in God. That we would uh, allow those around us to see our faith and, and, and to use that to, to tell others about the good news, the gospel. So the question the, the, the challenge, I should say, is how are you doing today in this area? How are you doing daily in this area? Are you allowing what's going on in your life at this moment to grow your faith? Or are you letting yourself be tossed by the waves, barely holding on? Are you allowing what is happening in your life to influence others around you for the gospel? And if not, can you take the encouragements from Paul today? Can you focus in on Jesus Christ? 
Can you allow him to be your horizon and the truths of your faith, your salvation go forward, not only in actions, but also in words. Father God, we come before you today and we thank you for this opportunity to look at our faith through the eyes of Paul writing to this church in Thessalonica. And Lord, I pray that we will be a people of a growing faith, that that each one of us will become a little bit more like Jesus Christ every day, that our faith will grow, that we'll be looking for opportunities to push the gospel message forward. Lord, I pray that we will realize that we have a guarded faith that you love us enough to keep us, that you will hold on to us, and that that security in our salvation, again, should be something that changes us, that grows us. Help us to see that. Help us to believe that. Help us to realize that. Help us to live a, a guarded faith. And Lord, we thank you also that we can have a grounded faith, that Jesus Christ is the great anchor, that he is the horizon, that no matter what's going on in our lives, no matter how bad we are being tossed about, that we can have a grounded faith, that we can keep focus on him, and that we can be secure in that salvation. And it's in Jesus' powerful name we pray. Amen. Amen. As we go into a time of worship, we'll have an opportunity to worship through communion. In the back, we have tables set up with pieces of bread that represent uh, uh, the body of Jesus Christ that was nailed to the cross. We also have juice in a cup there that represents the blood that was shed for your sin and for mine. And and we want to invite you during these next couple songs as the the Spirit leads you to go back there and take a piece of that bread and dip it into the juice. And, And then before you take it, before you eat it, Remember Jesus. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he spent time with his closest friends around a table and he said, hey, as often as you eat of this bread, as often as you drink of this cup, remember me. And I think as a church body, we need to remember the things that we think about, the things that we focus in on, those are the things that will uh, will change us, will, will cause us to look a certain way. And so my invitation for you today is not just so you go to the back and take a piece of bread and dip it in the juice and eat it, but that you focus in on the cross of Jesus Christ. Because if you place your faith in Jesus and you know what that means, that is a life-changing thing. And if today you haven't placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you're not a Christian, but you're feeling like, like I'm, I could believe this. I think this is something that I want to know more about. I'll be in the back. There'll be some other people in the back. If you want to come talk to me during these next few songs, I would love to talk to you. We have other people that could pray with you. And maybe today would be that first day that you could have that security in your relationship with God. You could know beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus Christ loves you. He died for you and was resurrected on that third day so that you could spend eternity in heaven with him.